welcome to Season 2 of Game Design Unboxed on the No Direction Network, sponsored by GPI. Danielle talks to tabletop game designers about the games they've made. Together, they unbox how the game went from inspiration to publication. Thank you for joining me, Danielle, for Game Design Unbox, Inspiration to Publication, Episode 25, Medium. Today, we are joined by a different Danielle, Danielle <laughs> Deli, and Nathan Thornton, two-thirds of the design team for Medium. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks, Danielle. I know. Well, hopefully not confuse people on this, but you know what? I think we can push through and make it work. So I'm going to start out with both of you. How did you get into the gaming industry? You want to take this one, Nathan? Sure, I can start. I don't think that we ever intended to become in the game industry. We were just two uh, friends who worked together, and we just used to like to goof off a lot at work. And we would play board games at work, and um, and we always would just make up little impromptu like word games or improv games that we would do. And um, but with never any thought that it would become anything other than just something we would do to kill time at work um, until until one day, um, you know, I kind of had the um, uh, you know, kind of a flash of inspiration. Like, what if we took this thing that we've been doing and turned it into a game? And so that's kind of how uh, the two of us got started doing things, uh, games together. We played games together a little bit of work, and I'd always played games with my friends and uh, and my um, and my family at home. So I think that's how we got started, and it's been, um, I think, kind of a surprising um, you know path to where we are now ever since. Then. So what I'm hearing is you should not get hired in the future because you're just slacking off and playing games. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no. Uh, I th- I, honestly, I think. I mean, if I was unemployable before, I'm twice as unemployable today that I'm making board games. I think that's a fair assessment. All right. Beautiful. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So then how did you come up with Medium? Like, what was inspiration besides just goofing off? Oh, it was the game Nathan was talking about. It was based off an old improv game where, you know, both of you would say a word and you would try to use those two words to then try to say the same word at the same time. Um, and I think it was helpful, Nathan, when we would like brainstorm for something like sort of just to get the brain moving and thinking differently and almost thinking like the person you're working with in a way. Um, and that was the inspiration. And like Nathan said, he just, he texted me one day and it was like this long thing of hear me out. Like, what if we turned this sort of old improv game into an actual board game and, took it from there. Am I forgetting anything, Nathan? No, that's basically it. Yeah. It's, um, I think as we talked about making, you know, this improv game that a lot of people would call, like, um, I think we called it, what were you thinking? Um, yeah. but it was just basically you, you go up to the person, you'd be like, Hey, do you have a word three, two, one? And we would say a word, but the hardest part was thinking of that first word to start with. I feel like I would almost always say either river or canoe. I don't know why I chose those, but those were the ones that I would always go to. And, uh, and we were thinking like, how could we turn this into a game? And, uh, and I realized, I think we both realized together that it was by having limitations on on the words that would make it strategic. Mm-hmm. So by having just a hand of six word cards uh, and only having those to choose from and seeing what your partner played first and then trying to choose a word from your hand that would play off of their word well, that's what started to make it feel less like just a straight improv exercise and more like an actual game that had a reason for people to buy it. The words on the cards as your limitation and then trying to match up a word. Like if I did play river and the only cards in your hand are like robot and clown and dry and potato, you know, what would you, what would you play? 
What would you play? Danielle, what would you play? Robot, clown, dry, and potato are your words. I played River. I don't know. Potato just sounds funny. So that's the problem with me is I would go with the comedy, not necessarily what's going to help my partner. So I probably would not score high playing. I mean, I've actually, I played your game, gosh, good, 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 good. back at one of the conventions and it was fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, the nice thing about your game is, yes, it's like an improv, but you're not necessarily making them start from scratch because you do mm -hmm. have those cards, which I feel does help a lot. Because I know as a designer myself, anytime I try to pitch like a pitching game or an improv-esque game or like something where you have to be creative and come up with things out of nowhere, not everyone's so creative. They kind of mm -hmm. like need that nudge. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like, I mean, uh, truthfully, it, it, like asking people to come up with too much stuff on their own is not fun. It starts to feel like work. And truthfully, um, I think it's part of the reason why those, you know, voting type games like Cards Against Humanity and Apples to Apples and, and you know, What Do You Meme are so popular and so successful is it lets you feel clever, even though you don't have to put a ton of effort into making the joke. The jokes are on the cards and people vote for them. I mean, I'm not going to pretend it's a game that I super duper admire, but I can see why people like them so much because you feel funny, but you don't have to like, you know, come up with something great. Oh, for sure. Completely agree. And so how did you play test this game? Oh, we did a lot of play testing, but mainly we started with just us, you know, um, we had never designed a game before. So I felt like we sort of brought this level of lightness to play testing. We're like, Nathan, I mean, you can speak here too. Like, I feel like now that we've had some other experiences with playtesting, like, I, I don't know, maybe this is a question for Nathan too. Like, do you feel like we took too light of approach to playtesting when we came up with Medium? But then at the end of the day, I'm like, oh God, it's doing really well. And maybe we did, we took the right route, but sorry, let me finish answering your question. Then I'll ask that to Nathan. But um, <laughs> it started out with Nathan and I, like just at work playtesting it. And then we would bring other coworkers in and have them play test it with us. And then we branched out to, um, we did a little event at a vegan restaurant down here where, where we're from and um, had a, we invited a bunch of people, family members, friends to come play test it there. We also brought it to Unpl the Unpub events, um, both at uh, Origins and then at a small Unpub event in Cincinnati. Am I missing anything, Nathan? No, I mean, I think that's it. We were honestly just got it in front of anybody who would agree to, to play it with us. And I think that is one of the benefits of having a party game like Medium is there's like a lower barrier to entry for people to want to play it. You know, I mean, if you're like, hey, do you want to try my my game that's not quite figured out yet? And you start pulling out a million pieces. I mean, it can scare yep, people off. Them. But Medium had... Absolutely. But Medium has the advantage of like you can explain it in like a minute and a half and people can play. And since you guys were very new to this and just kind of making it an activity turned into I want to make a game. How did you know how to take it to like a publisher or that it even needed playtesting? Like when did you bridge into that side? Well, there are many critics who would argue that it is still an activity <laughs> and not a game. Uh, if, uh, if, but, uh, but yeah, but that's a that's a fair point. Daniel, you want to talk about it? No, no go ahead. I, I answered the last one. Oh, like well, that. This back and forth is great. Yeah, sorry. This is the challenge of having multiple guests, I suppose, um, and no eye contact. Yeah, no, you're good. You always fill in the blanks anyway. And plus, we have two Danielle, so we'll cover it between the two of us. Exactly. Okay. Um, well, because we our initial intent was to was to self publish. You know. 
we had seen a lot of people have success with Kickstarter and to, to, to do to go that route. And that's what we kind of expected that we would do. We didn't know anybody in the board game industry. We didn't have any connections. And so uh, we started to research Kickstarter. We started to look at factories. Uh, we started to, uh, to figure out how to do shipping, which was so far out of our depth. I'm so glad we didn't have to do that. Um, but <laughs> we were we were at Origins in uh, Columbus, the big uh, board game convention that's here. Danielle and I both live in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, and, very um, nice. Were you at the one this year? Um, I was. Danielle was, wasn't actually. But yeah. Yeah, were you there? Oh, I was. That's funny. Oh, Couldn't I'm sorry. You. <laughs> we, so we, you probably did see me. It Next was, time. Yeah, <laughs> you probably did see me. It was such a small convention this year. That's true. It felt pretty empty. I probably yeah, did. did. You probably were like one of the very few people that were in the aisles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but we were there in uh, 2018, I think. And uh, and we were in the Unpub yeah. room. Who like Hats off to Unpub. Really helped us out here. And we were just playing it with people really trying to, to iron out the uh, remaining kinks and um and so someone approached us and uh and we talked to him a little bit and uh, it was chris kirkman it turns out um and um he we told him kind of what we were thinking and he said hey i know that you all were planning on self-publishing and going the kickstarter route but if you ever change your mind i work for a publisher and we would love to publish medium and um and, we, I, and I was like oh what's the name of the publisher and he told me greater than games and i'm like oh i have heard of this company which was kind of a surprise it was um uh, and honestly, it was kind of just, uh, it was kind of just autopilot from there. I mean, they made it so easy and there was really never any, um, we didn't shop it around any further after that, which, um, uh, which I think has, um, has just made the whole process really easy for us. Yeah. And to jump in, it's, a, uh, Chris also heard of, heard of medium through, we entered, uh, the game oh, yeah. into cardboard Edison, um, oh, five yeah, bucks. Mm, yeah and uh we got a bunch of great feedback but he that's where he saw it first so when we were in the unpub room he sort of already knew the game a little bit um and then nathan and i really hustled that convention too um <laughs> we made like little print plays and what's that called nathan when you're on like the corner passing out flyers oh busking i guess yeah we busking, <laughs> busking. <laughs> little print plays so anybody that would listen to us really that's so interesting. So, what yeah. made you decide to do that? Uh, I think it was your idea, Nathan, right? Yeah, well, I think, well, one of the things that we were we were thinking, like, how how much, like, you know, once you can explain the game to people, um, it's it wasn't published, it wasn't printed, and we thought, so we, what we did is we just made print plays, like, on printers at, not at work at all, never at work, but at our homes on our personal printers, and um, oh. it just made, like, three decks like of the you cards. make sure that everyone knows this. <laughs> right, don't say the name of our, my employer. Um, but yeah. uh, we, we, we just printed them out and cut up, it was, like, three decks of cards, put it in a Ziploc bag and put some stickers on it with instructions and we're like hey check this game out when you get home if you're interested it's a light party game give it a try and uh and i can't tell you how many like media people or yes. different uh, um you know uh you know podcasters and bloggers and just you know normal board game fans told us yeah we play that game a ton of times just with those you know those three decks that you gave us we sleep when we got home and i think it was one of the smartest things we did was um you know like made it even easier because i mean you know if we told people there's a print and play on our website they're like cool i'll never check that out but if you right. actually print it and cut it up and put it in their hands it's a, it's a lot more likely to be like oh we'll try this game it'll take 20 minutes and so i think it really helped um you know get the game out there before there was any game to get out there yeah because at that convention like nathan said our goal was to self-publish so we sort of had it in mind how do you build an audience and that's the idea that nathan had was to like that's how we can maybe get this into people's uh homes without 
them buying the game yet, but maybe they would buy it once the Kickstarter launch. No, that is a really cool tactic because I haven't heard anyone, at least on this podcast so far, mention doing anything like that. Oh, nice. Yay, original. (laughs) And when you guys are talking about the Unpub Room, so I just want to put it out there that I'm actually on the advisory board for the Unpub Room. Mm. So I love hearing that. But not only that, for anyone listening, do join the like Unpub, the Proto Spiels, because a lot of publishers do walk around during mm-hmm. the after hours and they will just like watch, see how everyone's interacting. And I've heard of quite a few designs getting signed that way. So always a good fun tip that not everybody knows about. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like so many, um, you know, uh, game designers who are trying to get their first game out there, they're looking for playtesters and they're looking for publishers and like the two absolute best places to find both of those, in my opinion, or in our experience anyway, has been Unpub and Cardboard Edison. It's I think those are the two smartest things we ever did to uh, to find a publisher and to find uh, playtesters to tell us what was wrong and what was good with the game. And to build a small audience. Mm -hmm. That is very true. And what did you find when you moved over to Greater Than Games and you're continuing to play, test, and develop? Like, how had the game changed during that period of time? Not, not, a, not a lot at all. They're very little. Um, yeah, they were very, I mean, I don't want to say impressed because I feel like that's maybe <clears throat> too highly of a, a word, high of a word for us. But I'm going to say it. they were impressed of, at how far along we had developed the game. So... I don't think much, I feel like maybe the development happened more around the extra special power cards, the ESP Mm -hmm. cards, um, rather than the full game itself. Um, And, you know, in a way I I liked that, and Nathan, I don't want to speak for you, but I liked that because I felt that we developed a very fun party game for the audience we were trying to sell to. And some of the people that we talked to when we were in the unpub room or like some feedback we would get from wherever, it felt like it was people would almost try to make it more heavier in strategy than it needed to be. Um, And I think we played to our strengths of like, no, this should be fun and light and like not go down this road of, I don't know, I feel like someone suggested something with like how the tokens should move around the board. And it was like, eh, it's a little too heavy for like what we're trying to do. Oh, Dana, um, you remember what they said. How did you, you come up with the scoring mech? Oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, well, we, we, we always wanted to... There was a couple to, of different... Oh, you go, ahead, go for go it. Ahead, Nathan. I'm so sorry. No, no I'm please, done. I'm on please, mute. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember. I feel like we started in a much different place than we ended up with. You know, we, we, the whole, I think like before we started getting into the tokens, it was sort of like, well, what's the incentive for when you sort of get it right. And I think that's where the token idea came from. Like you should win something. And I think we started out with higher numbers, right, Nathan? Oh gosh. I'm so sorry. Like I'm blanking on like this section of our development, but I feel like there was a seven in there maybe. Yeah. So the, I mean, the scoring tokens as they go now, you get um, you'll get a uh, a token that's worth either five or six if you get on your first try. That's three or four if you get on the second try, and one and two, one or two if you get on the third try. And we really wanted to incentivize you know getting in that first place, but also we wanted there to be a little bit of fun and surprise. So there's a little bit a little bit of randomness in in you know in whether you're going to get a five or a six on that first try. And um and we like that idea of maybe helping alleviate ties by having that little bit of randomness. But one of the things that we talked about a lot as we were designing this and developing the game is the idea of having those little moments of surprise. Like if we 
put our cards out and we say three, two, one, and we both say the same thing. That's a fun little surprise. And like, and even just having the tokens be a little bit random, a little bit more of a fun surprise. So the more you can build those moments into a game where like, I, I think we love games that have like a reveal where it's like, Oh, what's this going to be? Here it is. What, what is she going to say? Here it is. What's her card going to be? Here it is. You know, and the, the, the those small moments are, are what really make the game that um, greater than was worried that with, uh, with, tokens too high it would start to get too lopsided um but we like the idea of even if you don't get it on your first try you get you still get points for your Something. second attempt and your yeah. third yeah. attempt no i think that's smart i liked how you guys did it i was just curious to see how it developed so what did you find special about this design then the, the whole game the whole game okay. you can't pinpoint like one particular thing that you're like yeah this is really special <laughs> i mean well, I, the interact for, for me it's the interaction of you connecting with the other person i feel like you know um i think one of the feedback we got one of the uh sort of noted feedback we got was that someone said if you want to be in a relationship with somebody you should play this game because you Ooh. sort of get to see how you know that other person really would think and uh, really would re respond to you know the ideas that are put forth with the, with so the word reason breakups might have happened wow. <laughs> I, yeah That's yeah a lot to my put husband, on you guys my husband and i were not very good at this game at the beginning because he would play like only one word and not the whole set you know and that's a lot of people do that um but like what I liked about it too, and I think this is my favorite part, is when we would go to conventions and play this with complete strangers and actually make a connection with a complete stranger. It was like such a good feeling. Um, you know, you weren't you weren't trying to win the game against them. You were trying to win the game with them. Um, and uh, now that's special for me. I don't know if you have a different one, Nathan. No, it's. I mean, I think it's really similar to that. For me, first of all, it's, it's obviously a super simple idea and based on an I, idea that already existed. We couldn't believe it was already not a game, you know. And uh, I, I kept looking to make sure, like, this isn't something already, and, and it wasn't. But, but I think, like, I 100% agree with Danielle um, Deli. Is that um, like the best <laughs> thing about it for me is that like 75% of the game. It takes place like away from the cards um you know like we i play a card you play a card we do the thing but like the rest of it is all just you and i interacting with one another you and your partner um you know in the rule book uh when it's it, walking you through the steps one of the things it says you know lock your word into your head and then look into your partner's eyes i think in the rule book yeah. it says that that's optional but like i love that idea is that that people are forced to look into their eyes and kind of do that you know fake mind reading that the, that the game is built around that's so cute. And then, so yeah, I mean, are, is that your favorite moment as well as it being a special moment? And like, what was your least favorite moment of designing this game? Well, I think like two favorite moments when playing the game, the best moment in playing the game is when you and your partner get it exactly right. And like, and mind meld like that. The other best moment in the game is when your partner gets it a hundred percent bafflingly wrong. If you have two cards and you're like, I know exactly what the best match for this is. Um, and they don't get it. I think that that getting it wrong is every bit as exciting and enjoyable, but that's gameplay. What Daniel Deli, what, uh, yeah. what, what were you, what did you think was your least favorite experience? of the, sure. of, in the journey I, of the design you got one. Oh, maybe uh in the design or in the whole thing yeah 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 i think i think like my least favorite part with playing it is when somebody would go so specific mm -hmm. and it'd be something pop culture-esque that like i can't watch everything you know mm -hmm. i can't know all all the things um 
I we found that people so have specific. a much deeper knowledge of Lord of the Rings than we do in playtesting yeah, this game. And, and like they would get upset about it. And I'd be like, well, I, I don't know what you want me to, to, to do about this. I just, I don't know what this person is. Um, so I feel like those connections or like, you know, playing that game to try to make that connection and someone would go so specific. It sort of felt like air was getting let out of a balloon um, type mm. of feeling where like when we tried to explain the game to others, we would always say like, go general, don't go specific, like say wizard, don't say Dumbledore. Um, because when you're playing with somebody, especially when we were playing with strangers, I don't know if they've seen Harry Potter. I don't know, you know, like, I don't know their knowledge of pop, pop culture stuff or, you know, <laughs> literature. Um, so I feel like that was my least favorite part of the game play. I feel like maybe the least favorite part of the game design really was Honestly, when we were trying to figure out if we were going to kickstart this, like when we got into the shipping aspect of it. Um, oh, God. Shipping was, is so intimidating. I hate it so It was so truly much. overwhelming. <laughs> it, was very, it was very overwhelming. I can't imagine what it is right now, too. Um, it you is know. significantly worse. Google, <laughs> yeah. like, sh- shipping right now, it, it's going to make you very happy that you did not self-publish. <laughs> right. And, like, that's a shame. Like, I really do wish it there was in you know somebody in silicon valley who's like tapping into this podcast right now might uh get an idea here but i feel like shipping could be easier but it's just not um Mm -hmm. so yeah that's probably my least favorite part of the design we can afford to ship william shatner into space but we can't ship a board game across the (laughs) ocean what are we doing are you, Danielle, you asking me my least favorite part of the process? Well, honestly, I feel like it was, I would say it was the uncertainty. You know, you always hear mm-hmm. like stories from other designers that like, hey, don't get too married to the theme of your game or to anything because, you know, any publisher is going to change it and they're going to make all these. And, um, but honestly, I feel like in every experience, I mean, knock on wood, I guess, but like in every experience that we've had, the game developers and the publishers that we've worked with have uh, have listened to us. Um, they've all tried yes. to introduce things or, or to try new things. But like every time that, that a good idea was introduced that we kind of agreed was a good idea, it kind of stuck around. And anytime an idea yep. that was thrown out that ended up being bad, it kind of fell away. And I feel like the process yeah. has been kind of um, organic and natural and really smart and intuitive. So I was I was really nervous about like, is this going to get messed up? Are they going to change it to a theme that's weird? Is it going to be, you know, dwarves or something instead of, of our thing? But um, but yeah, it, it, I think the uncertainty was was the thing I was most nervous about, but it ended up being OK. Yeah, and I would I would also throw in there. I feel like every publisher we've worked with has allowed us to have a say in those decisions the artistic mm-hmm. decisions which is really nice yeah that is really nice when did greater than games come to you asking for an expansion on this game then actually right away um the, the one of the biggest changes is that we had included a ton more cards in the in the base game than uh that they thought was viable because i would think one of the smartest things that greater than did that we hadn't really thought of as, as um, you know, thoroughly as they had is we always thought of medium as a game and they got us thinking and they started thinking of medium as a product, as a box of a thing that person, a person will purchase at a store or on a website or whatever. And I think that they, they were really shrewd in um, making sure we, we need this to be under $20. And so I think that was, I mean, it was kind of a business decision to, 
to um, to break off uh, like nine of the initial decks that we had as a separate uh, piece, just so that it could be as uh, you know an inexpensive enough product that would be easy for people to purchase, but also kind of had them um, thinking about extra powers to to put into that expansion. And um, so that was actually the medium and medium second sight. The first expansion actually came out at the very same time. They came out at uh, at Gen Con 2019. Oh, very cool. And then for on Board Game Geek, you both and then Lindsay are all listed as designers. Is Lindsay another one of the designers or was she like a developer that at the time they didn't have a spot to put it? Uh, Lindsay was involved with us from the very beginning uh, and she left us relatively early in the development of the game. Actually, she left us right about the, the time we were signing with Greater Than Games, but she was uh, she was a big part of the of the very first days of, uh, of making media. Oh, very cool. That's yeah. nice yeah. to see that she got credit then. Oh, sure. Absolutely. How long did it take to go from inspiration to the publication of the game? Man, that's tough. I'm trying to think. Yeah, about a year and a half. Go ahead, Daniel. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say either a year and a half or two years. Um, Because you texted me in August, I think, of 2017. Mm -hmm. And it got published in June 2019? No, August, because it came out of Gen Con. August. Okay, August. So, yeah, two Mm -hmm. years. Wow, that's actually pretty good. I mean, especially for a first game. Oh yeah, yeah thanks. Yeah. It was. It was uh, I think they wanted. They were pretty aggressive with it because I think that well, for for the most part, there are, aren't a ton of moving pieces. It's mostly just it's just cards and some tokens. And uh, and I and I and they think they felt like it was far enough along that there wasn't a, a super duper long development process. Um, yeah, I uh, I think a lot of that. I mean, the biggest part of the development process on our end was uh, was the theme and the name, uh, and also just making sure that we got the words on the cards right. And I, and I feel like that that's that's something yes, that can really sink sink a good card a good i think party games don't get a lot of respect and i can understand why not but um but i think getting the the what's on the cards exactly right is is that makes a huge difference in the um uh in how fun or how much longevity the the game is going to have i always think of um of telestrations as a good example because like obviously uh you know the game is very simple you you draw the thing that's on the card pass to a partner they try to guess and then they write down the thing but i think that um the, the the I think the people who made telestrations did such a genius job of getting the right things on those cards. Like mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, it has to be like easy enough that a a person could draw if they don't have a lot of, a lot of drawing age, talent. Really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then also something that's not super easy to guess. Like if my card said Rubik's cube and I drew a Rubik's cube and I pass it to Danielle, Danielle would look at it and be like, that looks like a Rubik's cube. She'd write Rubik's cube and then pass it to the next person. They would draw one too. That's not much of a game. So it has to be something that is easy enough to draw, but um, you know, kind of obscure enough that people aren't going to immediately be able to say that looks like a Rubik's cube. <laughs> so easy to mess up drawing. But no, <laughs> yeah, I totally I get what you mean when you were saying it. I was thinking the same about tattoo stories and when Eric oh, was yeah. mentioning yeah, just like Eric, all the research yeah. he did for it. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean, people assume party games is this easy thing. You just like Google search a bunch of words, but it's like it takes time and yeah. play testing to get those correct words down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so I think, that I think party oh, games do that. I think good party games do that. Yes, completely agree. And then how do you feel the game is doing now that it's like published and out in the world? Like I know I personally have seen it in some really large retailers. Like how Mm -hmm. do you feel about that? I mean, I feel fantastic. I think we always said Target is the target and we got into Target and that was like a big deal for us. Um, I think 
you know, if you asked us before this pandemic how it was doing, I'd say great. And I think that, you know, it's not just our game that the pandemic has affected, but um, Mm -hmm. definitely I feel like has lost some steam. Nathan, do you agree with that? I don't want to. A little bit. I mean, I think that like shipping has affected too. Yeah. It's no one's like, I couldn't, I could point to the the pandemic really. (laughs) Couldn't be like, yeah, it's this person's fault. Um, But I think it has exceeded my expectations for, you know, for that one spark of an idea. Yeah. If you were to ask like, when's the best time in history to release a party game, like late 2019 is probably not going to be like the first, uh, you know, historical era you would say. But I think that, um, you know, even though people, you know, during the shutdown during 2020 weren't able to get together in large groups, we definitely saw a lot of people who were playing it via zoom, um, you know, greater than, uh, release some alternate rules for people who were going to play it via video call. So people kept the party going during COVID. I feel like I was going to say, cause it definitely felt like something you could play over zoom. So that's good to hear that they actually adapted it for it. All right. Well, you two, if you could offer one piece of advice to designers, what would it be? I feel like I, this is usually my go-to answer here. Um, honestly, the board game community is so welcoming. So sort of get out of playing it with the people, you know, and start, messaging people in the community about playing it or asking them for advice or just asking them to chat with you via zoom or if they're in your area get some coffee with them i feel like nathan and i hit up every single community board game thing in columbus um we reached out to a whole bunch of people here but then also talked to a lot of people that were not here um i mean i i want to say we talked to maybe like 20 people nathan do you feel like that's like right yeah, I think you're right. We talked to anybody who who would listen to us. Yeah. And, and for the most part, I mean, other designers and like other people who are doing this have been so open and warm. And, you know, you would think that uh, people who are designing uh, games might see other designers as competition or get territorial. And that has never been our experience. I think right. that anybody who makes a game is just putting more games out into the world and making the world of board games more accessible to everyone in the world. So I think everybody sees it as a positive to welcome another designer in. I totally, totally agree with that. 100%. Yeah. And then what about you, Nathan? What is your one piece of advice for designers? Well, I would say when you're designing a game, I think that that so many designers, uh, you know, focus on on the mechanics and focus on how the you know the parts work together, which is obviously a very important part of the game. But I would say, don't um, don't neglect the human beings who are going to be playing your game. And I and I think that my big, biggest piece of advice is to have a sense of what you want people to feel when playing your game. You know, a big part of of medium is this idea of feeling a connection with another person and also feeling clever for thinking of something quickly. And uh, I think whether you want people to feel, you know, strategic or you want them to feel like they're, you know, dominating their opponents or whatever it is, think about what emotion you want them to have. And I feel like that that's a, a really nice kind of North Star to, to have in mind. What are the things that we can add to this game or remove from this game or change about this game that will help these people have this experience that I want them to have? And I think that's been something that um, that was a big part of making our game is like, if um, like as Daniel was saying, people wanted to add a lot of mechanics. We were, we were worried. I think that's going to detract from the emotional experience that we want people to have of these like kind of surprising moments. Yeah. And I'm just going to add to that. I feel like if your game is, you know, strategy based, I would say also keep your audience in mind. Like who do you think is going to be playing this game? How much strategy should you add to this game? Shouldn't you add to this game? 
Um, but yeah, I think it does all come back, like Nathan said, to how it feels. But I also think it, your audience is like the human element. Like, you're, who are you? Who is going to be playing this game? How, like Nathan said, I'm just repeating him. But, you know, I think like when you're talking to your publisher, making sure that they understand that, I think that they do. But always sort of reminding them and reminding yourself like who you're making this game for. Did Very I just cool. repeat you, Nathan? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you did. Everything you said was unique and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. And should we expect any future games from the both of you? Take um, it away, Nathan. Oh, actually, yeah. So, um, so yeah, we are, I mean, to, to, to different levels. I mean, Danielle and I are working on some things together. Some of the things I'm just doing on my own. Is that cool to say, Danielle? Yep, um, yep. Daniel Delhi, uh, but we do have um, uh, we uh, a couple of games that should be coming out next year. Uh, we have more of a kind of a um, we have a, another party game that'll be coming out next year from Twenty Fifth Century Games, and then uh, more of a kind of a standard uh, card game that definitely has a lot of interactive um, elements and a lot of um, you know uh, kind of connecting of minds. I think uh, that is coming next year from AEG. Wow, those are some great companies. I'm excited to um, see both of them. Yeah, so are we. They have been fantastic to work with both of those companies. Um, yes. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's been different than our experience with with Greater Than Games, but I would not necessarily say better or worse. It's it's been it's been a delight. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. Then for my final question, if yeah. you could choose any game to kind of kick the designer out and we're going to say you designed it like you got that magic wish and now you are the designer of that game what game do you wish it had been oh my gosh like which one would we hope to have designed yeah like is it Catan that you wish you were the person to design it or like a pandemic or what are we feeling like what is the game that you wish your name was on as the designer there's I get one you get one okay 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 you know I have always liked this small two-person game called Jaipur. Nathan introduced it to me. Um, I love the simplicity of it. I love that I could just play with one other person. Yeah, Jaipur, I think I'm going to go with that one today. Very nice. All right, Nathan. Nathan, were you expecting me to say that? What no, did you I wasn't. And it kind of threw me off because I was like, oh, I'll what use Danielle's said? time to think of what I'm going to say. But then I'm like, oh, Jaipur, I want to hear what she has to say about that. It's um, such a lovely little game. I didn't really it really is it. a nice game. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's because I feel like it has such a nice, like, kind of back and forth sort of yes. market and knowing, like, when to, like, make the you know, make kind of the right choice to to pick the, the thing. I'll tell you, yeah. all right, I don't even know if this counts as a game, but you know what game I have had so much fun with that I think is such a simple game is Pitch Car. Um, it could not be, if you're not familiar with Pitch Car, it is I'm a... Not. It is a wooden disc flicking game. What you do before you play a game of pitch car is you build the pitch car track uh, and then you put the little rails on the side so it doesn't go flying off. And then what you do is you race around the track by flicking the discs. And I think that like taking something that is so kind of viscerally enjoyable, like flicking a disc and watching it go careening down a road, I would love to to, uh, build a game that has so much customization where you build the different tracks with some creativity there, but also something that anybody from of any kind of age or any kind of you know reading comprehension level you can play with a six-year-old you can play with a 600 year old um okay i'm interested about the 600 year old but sure <laughs> I, well i knew i was running out well because you know you say six to 60 i'm like well 60 is not that old and so i, <laughs> I made not. it 600 but and i was trying to think of any kind of entity on earth that could live to be 600 and i think trees do 
Um, but anyway, yeah. Pitch Car, fantastic game. Uh, nothing I ever would have thought of, but would have loved to. I just I just looked it up on Board Game Geek. It looks really fun. It reminds me of like a little ice cool where you can like flick the little guys and have a move. Oh, that's a good game too. Yeah. Danielle Reynolds, what's yours? Uh, so mine would be Wingspan. That's my oh, favorite yeah. game. And yeah. it's just so beautiful. elegant and beautiful and just so great well, in so many ways. It mm-hmm. is. Yeah, it's a literal work of art. So mm-hmm. that would be mine that I wish I had done. Otherwise, I mean, Catan probably would be my second. Oh, because yeah. yeah. Everyone like claims that's what got them into the hobby. So it'd be nice to be the designer of the game that got them into the hobby. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. And Elizabeth has been so nice to us and has promoted, has talked about Medium on her Twitter and uh, and has reached out to us uh, to put uh, Danielle Deli on her list of, uh, of, of woman board game designers. So she's been another person who is just doing amazing things, not only designing amazing games, but just doing great things for, uh, for board games and for board game designers. Oh, yes. Another fun fact. I'm one of the admins for the board game broads, and I cannot wait to be on Elizabeth's list once the shipping shenanigans gets figured out because my first game should have already come out last month. And I can't even talk about it until. Yeah, thank you. I can't talk about it until it's like official and they have a press release. So, well, how frustrating. Oh, Oh, yeah. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Your time will come. It'll be it'll be there before you know it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, you know, to the audience, thank you for joining us for this episode of Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration Publication, Episode 25 Medium. And thanks again, other Danielle and Nathan for joining. Uh, For anyone who was listening, how can you guys be reached? Uh, You can reach out on our website. It's just stormchasergames.com and our contact information is on there. So that, yeah, they can find us there on our Twitter or whatever. Yep. Yep. Very cool. Super simple. And then for me, you can find me on Facebook at DMR Creative Group, Twitter at Creative DMR, and then on Instagram at Token Gamer, and that's G-A-Y-M-E-R. Thanks, guys, once again for joining us. This has been another episode of Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication, brought to you by GPI. Whether your game needs graphic design, product development, sourcing, or manufacturing, find out how you can take your awesome game idea and get it made by GPI. Go to madebygpi.com, the leading service provider in the toy and game industry. And if you would like to hear more great gaming podcasts, check out the No Direction Network at nodirectionpodcast.com.